to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and joining me today, uh, I have with me uh, a guy who makes his own handcrafted kitchen knives. Um, he's been doing it since uh, 2012. Um, I've never talked to a knife smith before, uh, <laughs> and I'm really excited to uh, talk to him all about his cutlery and uh, what it's like uh, having such a unique passion and creative outlet and uh, all, the, all the things of why he does what he does. Uh, his uh, company is called Zim Knives. Nate Zimmerman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. You're very welcome, my friend. Appreciate it. You bet. How are you doing today? Good, yeah. Enjoying the weather. Nice, yeah. nice sunny day. Weather's, or winter's finally breaking a bit. Yeah, man. Oh God, I'm so ready for it to like <laughs> to be vanquished. Exactly. You know? It just makes everything a little bit better. Yeah. Blast some metal out of the windows of the car, and you know, oh my God, walk around man. in just a flannel instead of a winter coat. It's pretty nice. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, I get really bad seasonal blues. So like, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. So like, even just you know the sun being out today like gives you it gives us like that hope. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's around the corner. Run around and do a few errands before climbing today, so it was nice to be able to just like keep the windows open and yeah. just enjoy the drive and the day and everything. It's good. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Good. And yeah, dude, I uh, love it. So, um, what we talk about on Mr. Night Sky, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And we first met uh, a couple months ago um, through our good friend Salem. Shout out to Salem. Shout out to Salem. The lovely swamp elf. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we met at the uh, 889 Radium Walkie Awards. Um, and uh, like, I, I knew who, like, I had definitely seen you before, but like, I just didn't know like who you were, like, personally. And yeah. that's a lot of times that's what it takes is like a mutual friend to be like, oh yeah, this is Nate. He does this, or yeah, Nate exactly. goes to, he hangs out at Haida. I'm like, oh, bet, no wonder I've seen you around. Exactly, now. yeah, I'm around River West quite often. Yeah, do you live in this neighborhood? I'm in Bayview. But my, Bayview. But my workshop is um, up off Capitol, like right by the Popeyes. Oh, totally. Um, and so I, you know, River West is where, you know, all my homies live, so I'm always around there. Um, yeah. But I do live, yeah, I live down in Bayview right by Humboldt Park. Oh, sure. And I'm really thrilled for the summer in Bayview. Chill in the hill, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Never really um, got down there much when I was hanging out on the east side more, so. Mm -hmm. um, I went to UWM, so. Same. River West was kind of the natural, like, hangout area for the sort of people that I hang yeah. out with, so that's just kind of where I ended up. Yeah, agreed. I, like, I, yeah, I lived on the east side for, like, five years, and then I just started coming to River West more because, like, when I started covering local shows, like a lot of the shows would be in exactly. Rivers. It's just like there's like ten music venues on oh the same God. street, and they're all yeah, they're all within like a couple minutes from each yeah. other. And each of those bars ends up being like a little family. Like mm. it's pretty excellent. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was oh. friends with um, Jason from High Dive mm. back when he was a bartender at Brevin. Oh, wow. Well. I mean, and I started going there when I was like nineteen, and. <laughs> um, and then when he, you know, got his own bar, obviously that's the place I started hanging out, and all those yeah. people there are excellent. Shout out to everybody from High Dive. Big shout out to the I High Dive. Love you all. The H fam. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the family at High Dive. It's, it really is like, the thing is about High Dive that I love, um, and I had Dave Kevin Adam here last weekend, and yeah. we were talking about, the, he's a dope guy. Shout yeah. out to Kevin. But 
Um, we were talking about how, like, it's just so consistent. You can count on the same people being there, like, every week. And, like, you know, everyone, like, everyone just supports you, exactly. you know? Like, everyone, like, checks up on you, like, asks you how you're doing. or if And it, means it. Yes. It's not super. They actually give a shit. Right. It's really nice. Exactly. If you, if someone like if they haven't seen somebody in a while, like you know, they make sure that like you're doing okay. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And you don't really get that big of a family at any other place. Yeah. I feel you know. No, it's a just a really supportive environment. And I quit drinking a little bit over a year ago, um, but I still hang out there. And like Joey, the you know, bad doggy. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out to the bad doggy. He like, I would kind of call him my bartender. Like he was like the guy I would go talk to and you know have a couple of beers. And throughout this, he's been so incredibly supportive of me. Like not drinking, he's always telling me he's proud of me and shit. I'm like, thanks, Dad. Yeah. But, uh, hey, yeah. Just yeah, everybody there's wonderful. Totally. And um, thrilled for him and Sarah. Yeah. Big but, congrats uh, to Joey and Sarah getting married. Yeah, yeah. The turbos. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so did you uh, graduate from UWM? I did, yeah. I have a uh, theater design degree from, mm. from UWM. Went through the Peck School there. Sure. Um, I started out in engineering and then uh, failed the shit out of that first semester. So I decided to switch into theater because I have two cousins that work in the theater okay. uh, world. One of them runs a, a, state, like a set production company out in San Francisco and the other is the tech director at the PAC downtown. Um, and, and also works with the State Chance Union. So I got my degree in that focusing on scenic design and lighting, um, mm. did a lot of costuming and, nice. and all that and had to do some acting, but that um, does not right. suit my personality. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, after college worked in theaters for around Milwaukee, there's a bunch of really excellent small theaters around the city. Oh yeah, sure. And also uh, local 18, the State Trans Union here has an absolute ton of work and they're always looking for people. So I do some, I've done some, you know, like, I guess scabbing on their jobs uh, throughout the years, you get calls from people. So that's, yeah, it's been good. Oh, that's super cool, man. Yeah, for sure. When did you graduate? Uh, 2013. Graduated oh, high school in, t- in 2009. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. That was before my time. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost 30, man. Fuck. Oh shit. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, coming up quick. It'll be my golden birthday this summer. Very exciting. Yeah. Interesting. We'll have to do something fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Probably play kickball. Kickball, yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, so then a shop party and you're, everybody's invited, but only the people that are listening to this podcast, right? Because you guys are the cool people. Your in, your invite is is done vicariously through this episode. Yeah, yeah. So the real ones know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Well, that's exciting. It's cool that like you um you know you got a degree and ended up like having an outlet that was just like very different it just deviated a lot from your area of like academic expertise yeah i'm able to apply a lot of the things i learned because uh, in theater school they teach you a lot of business management sort of stuff a lot of project planning material estimation cost estimation that sort of thing and so you know I, i'm i'm not just uh, a blacksmith swinging a hammer and making sparks and being all cool and shit i have to fill out a lot of Excel spreadsheets and mm-hmm. pay my bills. Yeah. Um, and so all of that stuff that I learned in theater school um, has has helped me along um, awesome. a great deal. Uh, and that's important, you know? Exactly. Like, like those, that crossover skill sets that, you know, you can apply no matter what you do. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I also learned carpentry and welding and all that, and that helps me 
you know, when I need to build benches or, or do other random fabrication jobs. Um, there's a restaurant, Birch and Butcher, downtown. Dude, I, I've been meaning to go there. Like, one of the greatest places in the city. Oh, yeah. Um, really, really excellent food. Um, uh, and excellent staff. They're all wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have a hearth. All their food is cooked over a wood-fire hearth. And there's a big rack system that I, that I built for them with the grills and everything. Um, so just being able to do, like, random fabrication jobs like that really helps. Like, I built their tap handles. Like, I've done oh, lots yeah. of random, random stuff around that's not just knives, but those oh, are okay. skills that I learned while in theater school at UWM. So Awesome. I almost applied to work there, actually. I think uh, they're looking for people now. It's a great place. The people um, are really to awesome. To start, I, I guess so, like, so you've been doing this handcrafted knife thing for, uh, for eight years now. like for, Yeah, like full-time. Shit. I started, um, I can go to my, how I got started. Yeah, please do. Go ahead. Uh, throughout middle school and high school, I took jewelry classes. Um, and so that got me into like metalworking specifically. Um, my dad's been teaching me, you know, how to work with my hands since I was a little kid. Like I got Legos and then started making things out of cardboard and duct tape and doing projects around the house, all that. And then got into metalworking with jewelry, uh, jewelry in high school and middle school. And then uh, somewhere in college started collecting knives. I got into watching YouTube videos about high-end pocket knives. I got obsessed with that. And so I started like collecting these like really cool folding knives and stuff. And then I was looking for a job um, near the end of freshman year, like 2010, and I saw a Craigslist ad that said knife sharpener wanted. Mm. And so I went and met with a guy named Lee who runs a company called the Sharp Brothers. We have a storefront on uh, Capitol, mm. um, just just east of my shop a little bit. And I say we because I still work for for and with them. Sure, yeah. Um, so I worked with Lee for a few years, worked for Lee for a few years, and then I graduated and he basically told me to start my own franchise. He said, buy your own truck, because I was moving back out to Waukesha at the time. So I got my own truck and started doing markets myself and running all that. And uh, somewhere in there, I decided to just try making a knife, because I got really comfortable with sharpening and um, you know, learned more about knives and, and metallurgy and all that. Um, so I decided to try making a knife and had a lot of fun, kept doing it. Started like putting new handles on old knives and selling them to friends and family. And then at one point I got a scholarship to go to the New England School of Metalwork out wow. in, in Auburn, Maine. Huh. Um, oh, if you want to get into knife making, listen to me carefully, go to the New England School of Metalwork, go take a class, take a basic knife making class. It'll be about a grand total. They have dorms you can stay there. It's the best way to do it. You, you'll learn mm. a great deal and it's a wonderful place with tons of awesome people. Very cool. um, so I got to take a five day knife making course with a man named Nick Rossi, mm. who has soon, uh, since become a, a very important mentor in my life. He taught me a lot about knife making and life in general, just like through knife making. You know, you yeah. just catch up, you pick up on those little snippets and stuff. Um, but once I got back from there, I just started making knives and, and never looked back. That's so cool, dude. That is so amazing, man. Like, um, how, yeah, like uh, that, a lot of that hands on craft stuff you did in school would eventually. You know, segue into like you know, being like having a a knack for crafting tools that you know people use around the house like every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's like, my favorite part about it is that the the knives I make get used. Like, oh yeah, some people make 
custom knives and they're made for display or more for like yeah. just the value of them. They're made like pieces of jewelry, but mm -hmm. I like to make stuff that's functional and going to get right. used every day. Like that's exactly. making chef's jobs easier and making people enjoy the act of cooking. Yeah. Cause when you have a nice ass knife, you're going to want to use it. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to force you to get in the kitchen cause you want to use this knife that you spent a bunch of money on yeah. and love. And, uh, and then you can get in the kitchen and enjoy the act of cooking. And That's so true. Really have a good time. That's so true. Like, cause there's a couple knives I have here that I do really enjoy cause they're just so like soothing, you know, like exactly. I'm a very sensory person. Yeah, so like, I, I like, you know, so like I chop up a lot of vegetables, like yeah. when I've like pretty much every single day, you know, I try to cook at least one of my meals and like when I'm slicing up the potatoes and slicing up, you know, the, the onions, like it like it just cuts so smoothly through and like it's and but like you know i can make such a like precise clean cut with like a knife that's like you know just this big and like exactly. it's um makes the whole experience far more enjoyable yeah when you have tools that work the way they're intended exactly and, like, you know a lot of those knife sets like yeah they come with like so many different kinds and it's like exactly. you can't just like grab one of you can't just grab any single one of them and expect like, you know, your food is going to become like, is going to become like symmetrically yeah, cut right in the way that you want it to. Otherwise you're going to have such an awkwardly prepared meal. You I know? think the knife block is one of the greatest scams Dude, in I... marketing history. <laughs> you don't need 10 knives in your fucking kitchen. Yeah. You need a chef knife and a paring knife. And if you like cut a lot of bread, get a bread knife. Like you don't need anything other than that. Like yeah, you can do everything yeah. you want with a chef knife and a paring knife. Mm. If you can't do it with that, you need to like figure something out or right. change your technique. Like, yeah, that's really all you need. And these people like, if you like, if your mom got convinced by your cousin to buy a set of twenty Cutco knives, you got fucking scammed. Yeah, we're gonna sorry. We're gonna talk about scam. We are gonna talk about Cutco. Oh fuck. We have to. Yeah. Should we have to. Uh, <laughs> might as well. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just like. Uh, I mean, as someone who almost got sucked into a pyramid scheme myself, yeah, or joke, dude. as John Oliver uh, correctly specifies, multi-level marketing. Multi-level marketing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fuck that shit. Well, fuck I mean, you, Cutco. Yeah. No, There's so many friends in high school that got sucked into that shit uh -huh. that like were. I I remember like one of them specifically like came to my house to like sell my do parents. Demo. Yeah, do the cut code demo. Cut a piece of leather with <laughs> yeah. a knife. Holy shit. The demo. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've sat through it. I've sat through it. It's uh, it's very convincing when you don't know anything yeah. about knives. Uh, as yeah. someone who was mentored into the craft and everything, so like what so the first knife you ever made, like what kind was it? What size was it? Uh, it was about this big and it was uh, I used to draw a lot of designs because I got once I got into the high-end folder thing I got really into drawing knife designs just the shape of them. I always, I've always been into design and like mm. fantasy weapons and like all sorts oh, of yeah, shit like yeah. that. So I'm a huge fucking nerd. Oh, like, same man. Magic Warhammer, I used to have a book D &D, of, like, yeah, I used that. to have like a book of weapons exactly. like, when I was little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that sort of shit. Um, and so yeah, it was just one of the random little designs I drew. Um, it was just a, kind of a little utility knife with a little finger notch in it. And I, I made it with a Dremel and I wrapped some sandpaper around a book and used it like a whetstone to do the bevels on the knife. So I sat in my like apartment on New Hall and you know, sanded away on this, uh, this book with sandpaper on this little chunk of scrap stainless and I put some pieces of cork flooring on it for handles mm. that were left over and um, 
it, it was kind of a piece of shit, but it, it was cool and I loved it. Uh, and that one and my second one and my whole knife collection at some point got, my apartment got broken into oh, and they all got taken. Damn. So that was like a $3,000 knife collection plus the first two knives oh, I ever made. Terrible. So some asshole out there has the first two knives I made. They're, they're absolutely worthless, but they're, they're off in the ether somewhere. Yeah. Probably sitting in a pawn shop. Um, yeah. But right. it definitely gave me the bug. I mean, there's, it's, it's a really satisfying thing being able to make a tool and then use it. Mm -hmm. um, and this was before I had even thought about making kitchen cutlery. Yeah. But uh, it was, yeah, it immediately hooked me. So, so yeah, like, I guess, like, in kind of, like, uh, knife making for dummies. Mm -hmm. So, like, you just, so you're essentially, like, so how do you, how are the blades made? So there's two kind of kinds of ways to do it. There's stock removal, which is how most production knives, most, uh, you know, things you buy in a store, they take a bar of steel, they cut it to shape, and they grind bevels on it, okay. which is the, the taper tapering of the blade that gives you a sharp edge. Those are called the bevels. Um, and I did that for the first five years of knife making. That's the most common way people get into it. You cut a knife to shape, you grind your bevels, you put handles on it. Mm -hmm. um, once I went to the New England School of Metalwork for my scholarship, I learned how to forge, um. which is the old way of doing it, where you heat a piece of steel up to 1800 degrees plus, that's about the forging range, and you hit it with a hammer until it's the shape you want. Like in the Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Well, not like in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you can't lay pieces of a sword next to each other and hit it with a hammer and have it stick back together. Yeah, it's right. Like fucking ridiculous. You know exactly what scene it's I'm so talking ridiculous. about. Uh, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fucking elves get your shit together. Right, yeah. Magic elf powder. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but... Yeah, you heat it up and you hit it with a hammer until it's the shape you want, and then you um, heat treat it. So that's a step I skipped over. Something you got to do is is heat treating a knife because it's not just a bar of steel. It's a very carefully um, heat treated bar of steel that that will hold an edge properly. You know, it has to be heat treated and tempered or hardened and tempered to hold an edge properly, and that just like refines the grain structure of the steel properly. You can't just use a soft piece of steel. I mean, in antiquity, people got away with bronze and iron knives, but they just mm -hmm. don't perform yeah. anywhere near as well as a hardened steel knife will be. Um, so you hammer it to shape, you heat treat it, you grind it, you polish it, and then you put handles on it. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of the more traditional way of doing it is forging, forging knives to shape. Um, and that's my favorite part of the process is incredibly satisfying to heat up a piece of steel and just beat it to shape with a hammer. Yeah. It's, it's equal parts like brute force and finesse and planning and um, sometimes just fucking smashing it. Mm. Um, and it's just such an incredibly satisfying process. Mm. Um, yeah, it could be cathartic. I oh, see. very much so. Yeah. You're having a bad day. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, my friend Julie was hanging out at the shop the other day and she was a little bit um, stressed about school and stuff. And I was like, all right, like the forge, we're going to forge a knife. Mm. And um, so we did. And it's, it's just... Yeah, such a awesome, such an old school. Like you, you. There's a lot of manufacturing processes, like carpentry and things that you know have developed to use all sorts of power tools and all sorts of like modern things. Mm -hmm. And though the materials we're using are more modern, the blacksmithing techniques that we're using are the same ones they were using, you know, like a thousand years mm -hmm. ago. Like it's the same. You're heating the steel to the same temperature. You're hitting it in the same ways to move the steel in the yeah. same ways. And it's just like something that. There's just like no need to update it because it's yeah. just, um, you know, it just works the way it is. Totally. Um, stock removal is certainly a more efficient method of making a knife, but forging is so much more fun. Oh, uh, yeah. So I that's totally. what I prefer to do. Totally, sure, yeah. I do remember, um, I, uh, yeah, I, my first time in a blacksmith was, uh, 
in fifth grade we do this like outdoor ed thing it's mm-hmm. like that it's like a for like like a week you it's like basically with your whole class you go on like this like retreat and you learn all these like you do like the archery you, yeah, do, you know yeah. you do like the outdoor like you know um team building stuff and camping yeah. and stuff and we went to a blacksmith and uh i remember that was the first time i learned about like the uh different colors of fire and like the heat like how hot like each color like of a flame yeah. represents and how it is very like a very essential part of the process of like crafting these tools and whatnot yeah definitely yeah there is a lot of it that i do completely by eye just judging the temperature of the steel by looking at what color it is yeah um uh, my heat treating process i do all by eye um i I don't have an electric kiln yet to heat Mm. treat so i do it all by eye um it's just something you learn over time like i can generally like touch a piece of steel or look at it you know you touch it quickly and like you say like oh that's like a two second ouch so it's probably like you know 800 degrees like yeah that sort of thing. it's like <laughs> it takes a couple of seconds before it hurts and you can just oh tell. yeah um but definitely by the the color of the steel um you can tell and if you're if i'm doing forge welding for making damascus or pattern welded steel um you have to judge the color of that um you know to where it's at the, the exact temperature where it'll fuse together but just before it melts and um, yeah, it t- just takes a lot of practice doing it by eye, but I mean, it's it's like when grinding and shaping handles and things, a lot of people use jigs and want to fixture things, mm-hmm. but I'm a, I'm a believer that if you get good at doing it freehand, then you don't ever need to use jigs or anything like that, um, and, and I, that's how I prefer to work. Sure. Uh, so that's yeah, what cool. I do. And then you just, so how does the handle attachment work? Yeah, so there's a couple kinds of... Um, designs of knife handle is the full tang which everybody wants a full tang knife these days where you can see the edge of the tang around the edge of the oh, handle yeah so the tang is just those refers, are like the ones i have yeah, yeah the tang just refers to this the part of this the blade that is inside the handle um full tang is yeah where it's just a slab of steel with two pieces of handle material stuck on the sides everybody wants that because you can see the the, the steel around the outside is so much stronger, all this. Uh, and then there's a hidden tang where the, the tang of the knife goes inside the handle and is completely in space. Um, and it's, you know, uh, probably a half inch by eighth inch piece of piece of steel in there, which is plenty strong yeah. uh, for a kitchen knife, especially. Um, and uh, so I'll put them together with either method. They're put together with, with resin, with a high end epoxy. Mm-hmm. Um, I use West Systems G Flex because it's just insanely strong holds up to really high temperatures, and then always a mechanical fastener too. Um, with most of my knives, I'll use pins, um, either stainless steel or nickel silver or bronze, and sometimes I'll screw the knives together too. Oh, well. But you always want to have that backup. You always want to have um, a glue bond to keep moisture out of the handle, to seal everything up, and then also a mechanical bond to you know just make sure that everything's going to stay together. Oh, sure, yeah. Because I'm making knives to be used for life. Like, yeah. Um, with the, the the cost and the quality of my knives, like I want them to last forever. Yeah. One time I had a knife snap when I was trying to like uh, <laughs> I was trying, yeah. you know, I was trying to. It was I was kind. I mean, it was kind of stupid, but like I was uh, trying Maybe to. I'll do it. It was uh, <laughs> it was chicken. It was frozen chicken, uh-huh. and I was trying to like cut two thighs that weren't thawed. I was trying to cut them from like the rest of the uh, the rest of them and. It was just so frozen that I was like yanking my little knife, and it just like then I just heard, yeah. and the tiny little blade fragment was like 
you know, just lodged in yeah. chicken. Yeah, you don't want to eat that. Holy, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, dude, this, this, this chicken does not fuck around. No, exactly, and and neither do cheap knives. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just the 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 grain. If you you'll snap them and it'll look like sand inside because the grain structure is so massive. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, that's one of the things you get out of high-end knives is mm. the, the processes that they go through, the metallurgy is so much better and the, the composition of the steel is just able to hold up to so much more abuse. Um, so I can grind my knives so thin, oh, yeah. so they cut so much better, but it's because the steel I'm using is of good quality and the heat treat is of good quality. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it seems like people are moving there, but getting towards wanting to use more quality tools yeah. just in their kitchen and their everyday life. Mm -hmm. Like instead of buying things and throwing them away, right. yeah. buying cheap things just cause they're cheap. Um, Making, buying all the plastic stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like at least people from our generation, they seem to be, you know, not accepting mediocrity as readily as previous generations. Mm -hmm. Uh, in in our tools and our music and our beer and our yeah. fucking politicians. Oh yeah. Whatever else. Um, all of it. We're we're finally starting to make progress towards that. Um, was, honestly, a lot of my customers are, um, you know, mid, like late twenties, mid thirties, like chefs around the city mm -hmm. who like probably don't make a ton of money, but they're going to put their money into a quality tool that's going to last them their yeah. whole life. And the people that come up and complain about my pricing and like, oh my god, you're charging how much for a knife? Are the fucking boomers that like. Man, I'm gonna go on a rant here, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it just amazes me that you know people with a, a massive savings account that roll in in a Mercedes are gonna bitch about pricing, right? But the people that actually put their money where their mouth is and buy my product are like broke chefs and mm -hmm. like you know people that are working for a living, like, right? They're the ones who appreciate quality tools oh, yeah. and are happy to support a local business that's, that's making funny. them, and not yeah, and not just be like so like. You know uh, that blind faith to corporatization. Exactly. I can go to Walmart and get one for thirty dollars. Why would I buy one from you? Like, well, right. Deborah. Right. Because <laughs> that nice shit. Yeah. Uh, it was made in China, and right. you know, not not that there's anything wrong with stuff made in China. Well, I have a can. lot of Chinese tools. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, in terms of safety, uh, oh, yeah. knife safety, and I mean kitchen safety in general. But so, I guess to start, like, um, what when people are like starting to like you know, get the hang of cutlery and knife work and stuff. Like what are some, like, I guess like, um, what are some just like tactics or techniques or skills when they're using knives, like shopping, like what are some things people need to keep in mind when they're using knives like yeah. that, like they can easily avoid injury because yeah. I mean, so the, the most of us have yeah, been injured. By yeah. A knife I tipped my finger off a couple of weeks ago, but, um, the main thing to do is have a sharp knife. It just makes your job so much easier. Yeah. You don't have to use a pressure when you're cutting something. You don't have to force a knife through because that's when accidents happen is mm -hmm. when you have to put undue pressure on, on a vegetable, you know, yeah. it won't bite the skin of a tomato. So right. you're slipping off and like, that's when, yeah. that's when people cut themselves. Um, so having a sharp knife is very important. If you don't know how to do it, bring it to me. I'll sharpen it for you. Mm. Like, uh, that's, that's an important step. Um, and then proper knife technique is always useful. Keeping your fingers tucked in, and using your your thumb to uh, to hold the the stuff down and running the side of the knife along your knuckles yeah. instead of having your fingertips out because right. you'll end up cutting the tip of your finger yep. off if you're distracted. Um, uh, there's a ton of good videos online about how to do proper knife technique. Check out Alton Browns; they're always mm. always excellent and informative. Um, 
and just I think those two things are yeah help yeah um, obviously never leave a knife in a wet in a sink full of water never dude that's one of my biggest pet oh. peeves as a dishwasher yeah if you find a, a when kitchen ni- knife people put knives in the dish pit yeah like unless you have a vendetta against somebody it's kitchen protocol exactly dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah having worked in yeah having worked in kitchens a lot of my life I totally feel that and as a dishwasher um, but those two things like having a, a sharp knife taking proper care of it so that it stays sharp yeah don't soak it in water if you're gonna wash it dry it right away mm. definitely don't put them in the dishwasher if you're lucky enough to have one um, you know don't cut on plates or metal pans or hard surfaces like that because the edge of a knife is a very very fragile thing yeah it's it's going down as you know to as fine as the structure of yeah. the steel is gonna allow and the edge of the knife is actually it's made up of all these tiny little teeth because the you know because of the grain size of, of steel uh, it can't be like a perfectly sharp edge you can get really close to it but it's gonna be all these little teeth and if you cut into a hard surface it's gonna fold them over and give you burrs and little nicks and dings and oh, stuff yeah. and that and that just leads to a not sharp knife which leads to you slipping off a tomato and cutting your finger yeah. with a dull knife which is not gonna heal very very easily yeah um, so proper knife care is, is very important um, and you know, running it on a knife steel occasionally. If you have one, look up a video on how to use it properly. Mm-hmm. Be gentle, um, but keeping your knife sharp is is a yeah. big tip. cutting boards. Yeah, you use know. a cutting board. I use mine every single day. Yeah. I wash it every single day. Exactly. It's it's one of my favorite kitchen utensils. Yeah, wood or plastic. Uh, end grain wood is the, you know the the tippy top. Um, plastic's probably the best on your knives, but. Um, and grain wood is very very soft. Um, yeah, if you right. see people like Michael Gerlach, King Cortine makes these. Stunning, oh yeah, nice. makes these stunning end grain cutting boards. Shout out to King uh, Cortine. Yeah, by dude. The way. I've had some great conversations with that guy. Oh yeah, really excellent. Definitely another person like making things the old way. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, and then how you store them is also important. Don't just throw them in a drawer loose because they're going to bang against other knives, they're going to bang against cutlery. If you got to put them in a drawer, come to me, I'll give you a cardboard sleeve to put on them mm. and it'll help protect your edge. Yeah. Um, keep them in a block or on a magnetic knife yeah. strip on the wall. I keep mine in a block for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a way to do it. And if you do keep it on a block, remember to clean out the block occasionally because that shit becomes Thanks a, for reminding me becomes a I... cesspool yeah. of bacteria inside yeah. there. Thanks for reminding me. You probably don't want to see mine right now. <laughs> um, That's it. Yeah. Uh, so. How has doing knife work, um, how has it, because I imagine it kind of like, as it will, like with any creative outlet, like, you know, you just, you pay attention to detail more, you know, like you just notice things that you didn't think were there. You just, you perceive everything differently. So how has like doing this, like perceive, help you perceive like cooking and perceive the kitchen and perceiving utensils yeah. and just how you observe other people when they're doing it like how has it just made you pers- like how has it made cook- my perception yeah cooking more, more enjoyable yeah so i've always like it's kind of a chicken or egg situation like have i always been a pretentious dickhead or did <laughs> ma- knife making turn me into one yeah but i um i just like don't have time for like mediocre shit like mm. you know food drink relationships yeah. like what is the point of wasting your time on something that's not small talk yeah like something that's <laughs> yeah something that's not meaningful something that's not quality like uh when you have a chance to eat um, like obviously i go get mcdonald's sometimes like don't get right. me wrong people but like, yeah you we, know, we splurge every yeah once in a while. like but 
it's just, it's just giving me an appreciation, like making, handcrafting, you know, like, which I hate that term, it sounds so douchey, but <laughs> handmaking uh, knives has given me an appreciation for handcrafted things, like fine food, like stuff that people put their heart and soul into. Yeah, right. Um, it just, you can tell when people do that. And mm. I, I wish other people would, would stop promoting mediocrity mm. and stop just like liking things because other people do and yeah. stop like, uh, and that, that's a little frustrating, but I think I've just always been a pretentious dickhead and that's just kind of brought it out of me. I am too, though. But yeah, I, I am too. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, you should hear me like, you know, the way I talk about music sometimes, oh, yeah. you know, like, um, yeah, like, uh, no, absolutely though. It, it's just, I do, I do totally like get what you're saying though, where it's just not being, not putting blind faith into convenient commercialism. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, even just like. You know, there's restaurants out there that that do decent food, but it's like stuff that's copied from other places yeah. or copied from other cultures. Right. You know, like Appropriated. Yeah, a couple of white guys trying to do like, uh, you know, Mexican food. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> like, trying to trying to copy the um, the yeah the cultural food. I just heard that traveling in China or whatever. Speaking like, of which, I just heard. Uh, <laughs> Uh, George Clooney like had made his own tequila. Oh yeah, all <laughs> yeah. actors keep doing that. Yeah, yeah, which I heard it's it's actually pretty good tequila. I haven't tried it, but it's like yeah, white people just trying to hijack everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just, like people just um, when I see you know restaurants like that that are that are like like good but not particularly interesting. They're yeah. just like but, you know kind of a, a re redo of uh, something that you could find done traditionally by yeah. the people who grew up with it mm. at, in the city, you yeah. know, it's like frustrating to see people like that getting massive amounts of press and praise and awards and stuff and it's like, yeah, but like you kind of just went and ate this somewhere else and then tried to recreate right. it and it's like fine, but not very, not like good. Right. I want to go get the real thing. Now. And it's like, yeah, and it's like if you want to do that at home, by all means do it, but you know, it, it becomes this whole different thing when it's like you're trying to like capitalize. Yeah, when you, the, I think the the tipping point is when you try to make money off of it. Exactly. Like when you're taking somebody else's culture and trying to make money off it. That's right. the part that frustrates me. Yeah. And yeah. like, sure, go do it. Like, it doesn't harm me, but like, I'm gonna get frustrated about yeah. it. I'm gonna like get salty when I see that you know these names pop up over and over mm. and over, and everybody's like, oh, have you tried this place? Have you tried this place? It's like, yeah, like I've been there, but I'm gonna go get the real thing right exactly because it exists yeah. it's out there totally you can find it it might not be as flashy it might not have as expensive of an interior but the food's way fucking better oh, yeah exactly and i know it's made with the heart exactly and the and just you know or just like how they've been doing it for like a thousand fucking right years. exactly yeah man yeah absolutely speaking, so, speaking of there's just like so much incredible food in this city so much uh thought about moving to other places but uh, every time I go out somewhere new, these chefs in the city just yeah. keep blowing my mind. Yeah, so that's a good conversation in itself. So like, oh, I, have yeah. a, I have a huge, um, I have a huge uh, list in my phone of all the restaurants I still need to try. And, oh yeah. Uh, recently, uh, my the the most recent place I've been to, new place was the Tandem. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Southern food. Um, it's uh, we actually Company Brewing has like some kind of like. Uh, partnership with them and Uncle yeah. Wolfie's uh-huh. and uh, so we got gift cards to these places Hell to yeah. both places Hell uh, yeah. and I, I went to the Tandem had a bomb ass BLT with Cajun fries nice oh, that was fantastic what have you been to recently um, I went to shit what was it called when got they make a, a high end Big Mac 
clone for lunch. I forget what it was called. Oh, okay. It's down on um, down on Brady. Um, so it's up in my mind. Uh, mm. But before that, I went to Easy Tiger for the first oh, time nice. a couple weeks ago, which was amazing. Some of the best ramen in the city. Hello. Heather is a badass. Shout out to Heather at Easy Tiger. Yeah, doing some really fucking good food. Yeah, uh, I mean, also, I sat down and the server comes over and is like, hey, the, the chef is a very big fan and wanted you to send this dessert. And I was like, what? What? Like, really? <laughs> You're kidding me. But uh, yeah, she's making some, some really special food down there. Um, obviously, Birch is always excellent. Mm. Um, where else I go? Uh, I mean, I get Huanxi mm. like once a week. That's like my oh, yeah. favorite place in the city. They have a full traditional Chinese menu. They have some yeah. really excellent stuff. Huanxi is is a great yeah. and Sichuan place. out in uh, West Dallas. I've heard yeah. that's one of the best in the city, especially with a lot of the bigotry going on right now against like you know just Chinese culture in general. Exactly. Like with it's in coronavirus and everything. Like. Um, it's important, despicable, really fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, just, I think it's really important to be supporting Chinese restaurants, Chinese food right now. Yeah, because they, yeah. there is an actual real dent in the industry. Right yeah, now just Southeast Asian in general is yeah so much without so much excellent food out there. So many people doing really good stuff. Mm. Um, chef, uh, there's a chef from Minneapolis who visited recently named Yia Vang, mm. and he's Hmong. Okay, um, and he did a pop up at Bray's. That was uh, some traditional barbecue. Uh, these insane steam buns that he, he let me try. Uh, really good cucumber salad. But he did a pop up at Braze. Uh, Braze is always amazing. But his um, that's on my so list. Like Hmong food that I you know you don't you don't really think about it. Obviously right. you know you see Hmong people everywhere. There's a huge culture in, oh, in yeah. the Midwest um, at farmers markets. You know I, I'm friends with a bunch of Hmong yeah. farmers that are that are around. Um, but you don't see like the their traditional food being made, and he's opening a place in Minneapolis called Vinai. Mm. Um, and I just made a, a large cleaver for him. Oh, nice! And so when he was down for his pop up, I was able to deliver it him to him to use for the for the uh, pop up, which was really cool. Super cool. Um, I think tonight I'm either hitting up Snack Boys or Good Kind. Oh, cool. Um, I, I need to go to Good Kind so Good Kind's so excellent. Um, my buddy Josh, who I climb with fairly often, he, he bought a knife for me years and years ago. And regrettably, I haven't been to Good Kind in a while, but uh, we might swing in there tonight. Okay. And then uh, Snack Boys, I've become friends with Eamon and Mitch from Snack Boys, and they're yeah. awesome dudes. Uh, they also run the Coop Ridge, you know, Takamoto. Oh, yeah. And... Um, so I might go see might go see them at Snack Boys tonight, and their food is fucking crazy. Dude, oh my god, the the hot fries, yeah, and the really cheese fondue, like this. I mean, Snack Boys is really especially cool because it's it's fine dining, but presented casually, yeah. and so it makes it really accessible for people. They don't have to dress up and feel all pressured mm -hmm. to like, you know. Uh, all pressured to, to fit look, in, yeah, fit yeah. in, or like whatever. You it's can. not some club that you has a dress code. Exactly. Though. Yeah. I mean, the don't get me wrong. The, the fine dining in the city is really excellent. Um, uh, Ardent is a really really oh, excellent yeah. place. I went there for my birthday this year. Nice. Um, if you eat there, you use one of my steak knives, and that was the oh cool. That was the job that let me uh, move my shop from my parents like garage and basement mm. to an actual workshop. Awesome. Um, Justin from there uh, contacted me and was like, hey, I need handmade steak knives for the restaurant, can you help? And uh, so I made 30 steak knives for the restaurant. Damn. And that job was able to to move me into a real workshop. That's awesome. Um, and then also my brother bought me a, a gift card for Sanford, oh, which oh. is one of the old school staples in the city yeah. and r really still doing special food to this day. Yeah. It's a really incredible 
uh, really incredible meal. Damn, that's you're you're naming all these places that are on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing I spend my money on, it's it's good food. It has I mean, to be. It's, it, yeah. yeah, like like I was saying before, like. Sure, you can go get McDonald's, but why the fuck not? Mm. You know, go get a good meal. Yeah. You don't have to spend a ton of money. Like, there's there's good places out there doing it fairly cheap. Um, have you been to uh, Egg and Flour? No, that's on the list. Oh, sh- shout friend. out to Chef Adam Pollack. Yeah, uh, he's opening a location in Baby. In Baby, which yeah. I live like five minutes from where it's opening up. So, <laughs> yeah. it's, I think it's later this month. It's opening yeah. up, and I'm Italian, and I'm a huge slut for pasta. <laughs> so it's regrettable that I have not been to the one at Crossroads yet, but. Uh, Mm. It's yeah, I'm really stoked for the baby location. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I met uh, Huey down in oh, yeah. baby all the time Vanguard down there um, Hungry sumo was was quite good mm. uh, Hothead chicken. Oh, was really good. Just okay. everything on, on uh, Was it Kinnikinnick there or something? Oh, yeah, sure it's really really good food Absolutely. This city is a is a cauldron of delicious it really really absolutely is um, Yeah, these are all places. I definitely gotta. Yeah, I gotta I mean you gotta make some more money first. Exactly, that's you know? the issue. Yeah, yeah. So I like sell a knife and the first thing I do is go get Chinese. Right. Go yeah. to the merchant butcher for a burger. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. yeah but like, I don't know, it's 2020, we're all gonna die soon, so might as well spend your money yeah. on big food. Oh, absolutely, you spend money on experiences and not things. Exactly. Um, the only things that I purchase that I like actually, I mean, if you collect something, it's a different story. So, like, yeah. I mean, I collect records. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'll go to exclusive company and splurge every once in a while. Yeah, I'm all for material possessions if they get yeah. someone to like, I mean, it doesn't, yeah, whatever you're, whatever you're into, I won't judge people. Right, yeah. Unless it's like, you know. Dude, so. There's a lot of things. I actually have to, um, I'm going to pull up my Google Maps. Yeah. Because um, there was a Thai place downtown in the third ward I recently tried that was to die for. Oh. Uh, it was, um. For Thai, I, I'm always at Thai Kitchen on Oakland. Thai Kitchen is great. I used to live my, across the street. Yeah, dude, that's my classic. Everybody. Lucky knows. Ginger. That Lucky was what I just tried. Okay. Lucky Ginger, it's right by uh, Milwaukee Ale House. Okay. Um, like right over down where like that Shake Shack opened. Uh, yeah, that's a really spino- uh, phenomenal uh, Thai place. Excellent. But yeah, Thai Kitchen, you can, Super is good. fantastic and it's very affordable. Yeah, it's um, just like, that's what I was, like, you don't have to spend a ton of money to get some of the mm-hmm. best food in, in the world in yeah. this city. Like, yeah, it's Dude, really, really right next to it, Shirazad, Middle Eastern yeah, food. Yeah, Shirazad's really good. Fantastic. Cafe India down in Bayview. Their oh, lunch yeah. cafe is out of this world. Oh yeah. Dude, yeah, man. I um, what else? Uh, I mean, I like I've tried a lot of the places on Farwell that are really good. Uh, Ethiopian Village. Yeah, Stone Bowl. Uh, Stone Bowl is so good. Rice and roll. Rice and roll. Really, really good. Reliably great sushi every time. Uh, going on Brady. Go to La Masa, the empanada bar. Oh yeah. One of the best restaurants in the city. Yeah. Balzac, Dorcia. Oh. There's so much good stuff. So much great stuff. And then I'm very excited because summer with summer coming up, farmer's market season starts. Oh, yeah. And I always set up a booth that I do the Greenfield and Waukesha farmer's markets. Oh, cool. And I set up a booth in Sharpen with, awesome. with the Sharp Brothers. Um, and then I just eat food from the farmer's market all summer. <laughs> That's great. There's all these amazing farmers around the area growing all this really good food, raising animals, you know, <laughs> making their handmade products like salsas and, and sauces and... You know, there's people growing mushrooms, there's everything you need. And so you don't need to go to pick and save to get your produce. You can go to the market, get it from somebody that grew it with their own hands. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the ground grew it, but whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's big. For, like, I mean, coming from somebody like I grew up in a family of horticulturalists. Oh, yeah. So that's big. Yeah. And I'm friends with a lot of people who grew up on farms. Yeah. And, and it's just, 
I would much rather support somebody working the soil and right. growing their own food, growing their own cattle. Um, mm. and, and plus, they love trading, and yeah. I love, you know, steak. Dude, so, yeah, it's yeah. always a good time. Yeah. So, uh, I get to go see all my friends at the market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, on that note, so with Zim Knives, I want to hear more about like the actual entrepreneurial side that you, you know, you've been doing it full time. Yeah. Um, so tell me about like you know, how you, like, when you got incorporated and, like, when you started just doing this, like, full-time. Yeah, like, it's a fucking nightmare, dude. Yeah, Running a business is really uh, not fun. Like, the the making knives is obviously just the dream. Like, that's mm. my obsession. But, um, yeah, I, I made a company in 2012, and, and that's the easy part. Like, you just go to a government website and you start paying your taxes. You yeah. just, like... Get a tax number and start paying your taxes. That's really all they want from you. Um, but the book balancing, the planning for the future, that's stuff that, you know, I'm an artist. I'm, I'm not good with money at all. And I'm not good with planning for the future. <laughs> here. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so that, that part is really, uh, I've really struggled with that. I have a lot of help from my dad, who's a, a like engineering manager. He's, mm-hmm. he's just incredibly intelligent and it gives me a lot of advice on, on how to run things, just how to plan for the future. Um, you know, I learned some, some in, in school mm-hmm. about all that, but um, just, yeah, through my dad's help and, and just struggling through and like, you know, sometimes you eat ramen for a week and mm-hmm. sometimes you sell 10 knives in a month and you're rolling in money and then you have to, you know, like plan out how you're gonna use that in a constructive way to build yeah. the business, to invest in the things that are gonna make you money down the line, the things that are gonna, mm-hmm actually further the business instead of just like a tool that might be flashy but isn't actually going to make you money mm. um that's real yeah it's it's that is super real the running of the business is the by far the hardest part yeah. um and i'm you know limping by but uh we're, we're getting there we're getting better about it you yeah you, you know. you're skidding by yeah, a lot exactly. of the time until with with a lot of you know excellent support and help from my friends and yeah. clients and right um just you know Everybody is wonderful. Like, yeah, dude. Especially sharing my shit. Here in River West. Yeah, man. just even like kind words. Like, hey, I saw, um, I was featured in Edible Milwaukee. Yeah. A magazine that came Congrats. out yesterday. That's um, awesome. Because of my friend Melissa who saw one of my knives online and was like, hey, I want to put you in the magazine. And she linked up with Lily Shea, who's this excellent photographer. Much loved to yeah. Lily Shea. Uh, one of and, the and they came out best. with this rad ass fucking article just because, like, they liked my stuff and yeah. thought it would be cool, and they're just like so incredibly supportive. Just everybody in this in this city is, is oh, so man. wonderful. Um, totally, everyone that sits down with me and gives yeah. me a chance, man. Like yeah. I, endless love to everybody. Like yeah. you know, like uh, yeah, Lily's one of the best people in the city. You know, oh, she's yeah. a ray of sunshine. She's all right, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she hangs out with Schlee and those people. Yeah, yeah. Like. Fucking hate those people, <laughs> but I hate them because I love them so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, um, dude, absolutely. Uh, yeah, like it's it is. You know, you make a lot of sacrifices monetarily, uh, yeah. time. Like, you know, like you you put in some, you exert a lot of effort, and a lot of the returns don't appear right away. Exactly. But yeah, that's what I'm kind of doing is just like uh, trying to keep it going and planning for the future. And eventually I would like to bring some people into the shop because, mm. uh, old school knife shops, how they were run was there was the blacksmith who would forge the knives. There was the grinder who would sacrifice his lungs and his livelihood or because I say his, because back then it was men doing it, but right. you know, uh, 
sacrifice their lungs and, and livelihood to grind these knives every day. There's like songs about it, like mm. the Sheffield Grinder. It's, it's a song about these, these people that ground knives all day, every day, and literally kill themselves to feed their family, because they would die at like 35. Um, but there was the blacksmith, the, the grinder, and then the like polisher, sharpener, and then the cutler who did the handles, mm. and then um, a leather worker to do knife sheaths and stuff. And I would like to set my shop up like that eventually. Yeah. Um, so I can forge knives all day or, or you know what have you, or work on special projects and have other people doing other parts of the process, be able to employ some of my friends that are stuck in shitty jobs mm. and don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of people trying to apprentice with me and there's, or like wanting a job and like, um, I have a couple of friends that come in, you know, my friend Dana comes in, my friend Bilbo comes in occasionally just to like do little jobs and I'll pay them when I can, but um, eventually I would like to be able to provide work for, for some of my yeah. friends and, yeah. you know, uh, fill those different positions and really crank up production and also have somebody to manage the business side so mm. so we can actually turn a profit maybe. But um, until that day, we're just, we're just, we're getting along. We're skating. Yeah, we're getting there. We're skating. I gotta yeah. do my taxes. Oh yeah, I just, I just got my return today. Actually. Damn, yeah. nice. So now I can finally go get groceries. Yeah, exactly. You know? So yeah, but yeah, do your taxes, everybody. <laughs> All right. Nate of Zim Knives. Hey, hey. <laughs> dude, this is so awesome, man. Uh, I, I learned a lot about the kind of work that you do. You know, a lot about you know the the tools that I use every single day to cook food, uh, to make good meals, man. Uh, hearing stories like yours are what's gonna make someone like me, you know, appreciate a good knife more. Good, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, man. So tell me, uh, Nate, as we close out, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Uh, usually coffee that I drink until 3 a.m. Right, yeah. Uh, painting Warhammer minis, because I do that pretty much every night. And mm. um, right now, uh, The Witcher 3 mm. and um, uh, this YouTube series I'm watching. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. All good stuff. <laughs> what uh, puts you to sleep? Uh, what puts me to sleep? Uh, usually power metal. <laughs> yeah, I'll put on some like Sonata Arctica and Dream Theater and oh, drift off listening to Tales of Dragons. Oh, and, that's uh, good stuff, man. Yeah, Dragons and Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Oh yeah, nineties power metal, man. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, big time. Good shit, man. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having this me. Great. Zim knives. Uh, check him out. Uh, support him. Uh, check out his products. Um, yeah, and everything we're saying about supporting local, that means supporting local music, food, film. It's out there, just go look. It's all out there. We, they make it so easy for us, but we sit around and bitch about how it's so hard to find it. Literally, yeah, yeah like you said, just Google it, Facebook it, yeah. very easy. Thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. See you guys.